Oh, great shepherd of the sheep, thank you for coming near to us, for finding us, for lifting us up on your shoulders and bringing us home. Good shepherd, may we hear your voice this morning. May we hear you calling out our name, speaking words of freedom and of hope. Uh, move again, Lord. Open our hearts that we might hear from you. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> so thank you for coming today on this launch Sunday. This is a, a Sunday in which we're kicking off the new ministry year. Uh, we'll share more about that later. There'll be uh, special prayers today, a picnic after the service. Um, please do join us. Do join us for that. So there's this YouTube video, it's a, it's a few years old now, but uh, there's this guy, he's a, he's a tech engineer, his name's Mark Rober, and he built this thing called a glitter bomb. Anyone know what the glitter bomb is? Whoa, okay, good, I see a couple of hands, great, good. This thing's hilarious. So he was so tired of seeing people steal packages from his front porch. Uh, and, and keep in mind, he's like, he's a, this brilliant engineer uh, in, in Silicon Valley, and so he designed this thing called a glitter bomb. So it's, it's basically a, a decoy, or, or you know, he, he puts this package on his porch, hoping that someone's going to steal it. And when they do, when the thief comes and steals the package, they put it in their car, they drive down the road a little bit, they open up the package, and this thing, like a volcano, just erupts like all of this fine powder glitter all over the place. It just spreads it all over, and you hear the thieves just like screaming. They're like, what's going on? And then as if that wasn't it, uh, the thing, like a skunk, starts like squirting this like disgusting smell into the air, and then it starts emitting this like high-pierced, uh, just wretched sound. And so, in very, you know, every single time, the thieves would like scream, they'd pick up the box, they'd throw it out, You'd hear naughty language, you know, like they're just so terrified of this, this thing. So it's, it's pretty funny. Uh, in, in fact, he also, uh, a couple years after he published that video, he put out another one in which he hired a private eye to figure out where like an Indian call center was that had been like, you know, trying to get scam money out of people. And he sent a glitter bomb to them and somehow recorded that whole experience as well. So uh, good, good, uh, good classic entertainment there. But we love revenge stories like that. Uh, in fact, my guess is that if, if I was to ask you what some of your favorite movies were, one of them would probably be a, a revenge story. Uh, one that I really love, uh, Princess Bride, Inigo Montoya, You Killed My Father, Prepare to Die. You know, like we love those sorts of revenge stories, right? They're great. Uh, we have a hunger for revenge. Uh, we love to see those who do wrong screaming like school children over like glitter going everywhere and stink being sprayed everywhere. We love the victory of it. Uh, we kind of love the, the I, I don't know if that's fully justice, maybe like warped justice, you know? Like we love all of that about it. You know, we see those things and we're like, ah, oh, that serves you right. Well, like I said, this is, uh, we are launching a new ministry year today. Uh, it, we'll have signups available in the lobby here on, on ways to get involved, lots of fun uh, opportunities that are there. And I've been thinking about this ministry year, I've been thinking about our church's five values of hospitality, of contemplation, of wholeness, of mission. And the first one actually is reconciliation. Now, we are lost in our ways, aren't we? We are broken and wounded rebelling and, and bickering, we're thieving and stealing, and it's easy for us to take delight in the, re, re, the revenge uh, of others uh, uh, that is enacted upon others, 
But it's easy for us to forget that we are what we ourselves actually deserve on the basis of the things that we have done wrong. So rather than taking revenge upon us, God, in his mercy, decides to offer us reconciliation. God reaches out to us when we deserve something far worse. He reaches out to us, he finds us, he forgives us, and he gives us a home, and the Bible calls this reconciliation. And when one is hard-pressed to find a story of reconciliation um, better than the one of Paul that we just heard from our reading from 1 Timothy. So we're going to be looking at this letter in more depth today. Uh, Paul, he's writing a letter to his spiritual son. And here in this letter, he pauses for a moment to reflect upon his own story about how he was a thief who deserved revenge, but God chose to work with him differently. So you see, ours is a God who has moved heaven and earth to bring us back to himself. So let's turn to 1 Timothy. So in verse 13, Paul describes his former ways. He says, I was a blasphemer. I was a persecutor. I was an insolent opponent. In other words, Paul was truly lost off of the right way. It's interesting to see in those three words, there's a progression of violence that happens there. First, he says that he's a blasphemer. That is, with his mouth, he spoke evil of Jesus Christ. He denied that Jesus was the Son of God, thereby, thereby propagating lies and evil and offending the holy and good God. But secondly, he was a prosecutor. With his hands, he picked up stones, and he threw them at other human beings, intending to end their life. And he was an insolent opponent. That is, he didn't just keep his evil attitudes all to himself, but he literally stirred up other murderous mobs to carry out the violence that was in his own heart. The portrait that we're given here of Paul is that he is a person with no hope. That he, God offers to him a path of love and wholeness and peace, but he had veered way off course. He was utterly lost. So St. Augustine, uh, one of the church fathers, he says that if infants had the strength to carry out their will, they would kill us all. <laughs> like if, if, and think about it. If a two-year-old had the strength to do what it wants to do, like none of us would have made it here today alive, you know? And what, what St. Augustine says is as we get older, it's not that those desires within our infantile selves goes away. It's that we get better at controlling it. It's that we get better at controlling it. The selfishness is still there. The rage is still there. And you may have heard me say this before, but St. Augustine likes to also say that we have this wolf within us that's trying to slip the chain. You see, the Christian does not believe that he or she is better than anybody else. No, the Christian has a realistic understanding of what the human heart is capable of. The good news, though, is that we are never beyond the mercy of God. When our imaginations are limited to nothing but rage and revenge, God, in his beautiful love and mercy, always sees a way to redeem us. In the second half of verse 13, Paul says, but I received mercy, and the grace of the Lord overflowed for me. So I wonder what should have been Paul's punishment, because uh, what Paul would do is, is he would persecute the church. He would find Christians, he would gather them, he, he'd pull them into the middle of the town square, and he would throw stones at them. He would invite the neighbors to throw stones at them, to, to kill these people. 
Uh, St. Stephen, uh, one of the first deacons of the church, is one of these people. So what would have been Paul's rightful, just punishment? Should he have served life in prison? Should he himself have received the death penalty? What would have been the effects of the loss of life that he enacted? You know, what would it look like for justice to be served against the death of uh, Deacon Stephen? How would his murder have impacted the community at that time? Well, Paul says, I received mercy and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me. Uh, A few weeks ago, I was fishing in a river and the water was very, very low. Uh, But you could see where the banks had gotten high. You know, you could see that there had been points in which the water had just scooped away, just swaths of land. It looked like... um, I don't know, like if, if you take a spoon and you kind of scrape away at like jello or something and you just see this like carved out part of, of the jello or something. Like, so the, the water here that he is talking about is overflowing. A river, like have you ever seen a river actually overflow in, in real life or in a, a nature documentary? Like it's utterly terrifying, right? Because it comes through and it just sweeps away parts of the landscape. You know, sometimes trees are toppled over by it. Sometimes like bushes are carried away by it. So Paul says that the grace of the Lord overflowed for him. This is a river of grace. It doesn't bring devastation, but instead it brings a blessing. Into the void of our loveless, hateful hearts, the abundant grace of God pours into it. It's flowed into our hearts. It overflows and floods the rest of our lives. God pours out his grace for us. So a friend of mine, he's a, he's a hospital chaplain, and he told me this story recently. He said that he, he walked into the, a room of a new patient. Uh, this, this person uh, was, was really wrestling or, or battling cancer, uh, just terrible cancer. It riddled his whole body, and he was in a lot of pain. And so the chaplain comes and, and sits down with this man, and he says, do you have any spiritual questions? Would you, would you like to talk about anything that, that might be on your mind? And he's like, look, you, you call me an atheist or agnostic or whatever, but he said, I, I have no desire to talk about religion or spirituality of any sort. So the chaplain says, well, that's, that's fine. I, I am a good listener. So if there's anything that you'd like to talk about, you know, I, I'm all ears. And so they decide to go ahead and have conversations talking about just his career, his life, his family, um, just, you know, normal things. And this went on for many, many, many weeks. Well, one day the man was in his room by himself and he needed to use the restroom but his, his body was in just so much pain that he couldn't even bring himself to walk. And he remembers kind of sitting at the edge of his bed, just kind of being struck with the fact that he could not even bring himself to go uh, use the, the restroom. And in that moment, he can't explain why, but in that moment, he cried out to Jesus. He says, Jesus Christ, where are you? And in that moment, he had this, this image of Jesus stepping into the room Like as if you're looking at me right now, like stepping into the room, sitting down next to him on the bed, putting his arm on him and saying, I love you. And in that moment, he was just consumed with peace. His his pain didn't go away. It wasn't like he was miraculously healed, but his soul had been changed. His soul had been healed. So the next day he calls the chaplain. He's like, look, we we need to talk. (laughs) Like, I don't know what just happened here, uh, but we need to talk. You see, friends, God loves sinners. He loves to just show up and surprise us. His mercy overflows into our lives at moments when we least expect it. The grace of God overflows. So why? Why does God's mercy overflow? 
There's only one answer. God's mercy overflows because he's a merciful God. It's in his nature. It's who he is. He is a God of love. He created us for himself. He loves you. As our Book of Common Prayer says, we are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs from underneath your table, but you are the same Lord whose character is always to have mercy. You see, God gives mercy because he's a merciful God. I love that our Sunday lectionary pairs this reading from 1 Timothy with those two passages from Luke, uh, those, those two parables from Luke of the lost sheep and the lost coin. You know, the sheep wanders off pretty ignorantly. You know, the, the sheep, it, it's not this outright rebellion. The, the sheep just kind of moseys on, probably follows this patch of grass and then goes to another and goes to another. And before long, it's lost. It's, it's scared. It's probably hiding under a bush somewhere, you know, bleeding, uh, bleating uh, because it's so scared. But the shepherd loves the sheep. He adores the sheep. He goes and finds the sheep he picks the sheep up onto his shoulders and carries it home and rejoices with the whole neighborhood. And then the coin, the lost coin, that is an inanimate object. There's, the coin has no will, it has no strength. The coin is lost. It's just simply lost. In fact, the physical force of gravi gravity keeps it down on the ground. But the woman, the widow, loves the coin. She sees immense value in the coin, and so she turns the house upside down. You know, she looks for it. She lifts it up, and she clutches it close to her, and she celebrates with her friends and her neighbors um, that, it is, that it has been found. So friends, it doesn't matter if you're simply ignorant of God, or if the entire universe seems to be crushing you and pinning you away from God, or if you've blasphemed and raged against God, his mercy overflows for you. May you hear that in all of these stories this morning. As Paul says himself, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. God sees our state, he sees who we are, and he has compassion upon us. So this week, I, I, I passed my five-year ordination anniversary. I, I can't believe it's already been five years. Uh, the church, we're going to celebrate our five-year uh, anniversary in a few months. But being a pastor, there, there's this curious phrase that I hear from congregants um, quite often. Uh, and, I, and I hear this from people outside of the church as well. Some of you who are pastors, who've been pastors, I'm sure you hear this all the time as well. But it's, if you've known what I've done you would say that I shouldn't be here right now. Maybe you've said that sometimes. Maybe you've told yourself that. Maybe you're feeling that right now. You know, Christianity teaches that we all have evil lurking in our hearts. We've all done these things, that, or we, we've, we've left things done and we've left things undone. And these things nag our conscience they, they pluck at us. They remind us that, that we don't measure up, that we've dropped the ball, that we've hurt ourselves and others in terrible ways. And we know that if someone were to look inside of us and actually see those things, they would probably reach for the pitchfork. You know, they'd probably slam the door in our face. This is why it is so important. This is why every single week we confess our sins to Almighty God. It happens after our creed. We, we, sometimes we remain seated. Sometimes we kneel. But we lower our bodies. We bend our head. We search our hearts. Because our God loves to pour his mercy into the caverns of our hearts. 
And I'm preaching this to myself. Like, I need to hear this. Don't think just because I'm wearing fancy clothes that I'm somehow like the holiest person in the room. That's not it. I know my heart. I know the dark corners of my heart. I know the things that I've done and the things that I've left undone. The things that would make you want to find a different pastor. But I also know that God's goodness is rich and deep. And I've experienced the overflowing of his grace in my life. So this morning, when we do turn to a time of confession... I invite you to, to truly allow the Holy Spirit to search your heart, to allow those things to come to the front of your mind. And as they do, lift them to the Lord. Give them to him. Because at the cross, he has dealt with all of those things. The punishment in which we all deserve has been placed on Jesus Christ. It has been atoned for once and for all. They do not have claim over you anymore. So lift those things to the Lord. He wants to receive them. And open your hands when you hear the words of forgiveness that are said over you. As you hear the scriptures of forgiveness pronounced over you, open your hands and imagine the waters of his grace just flowing over those hands of yours and into your heart, refreshing your soul, allowing you to feel the presence of Jesus Christ moving in your heart. Know that the stains that you carry, Jesus washes them all away. Jesus Christ comes into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. Please pray with me. Lord Jesus Christ, we come with various burdens today. Burdens of shame and of guilt. Burdens of confusion and pain, Lord, of brokenness. Things have been done to us, and we have done things to others, Lord. And we don't know our way out of this. So good shepherd, Lord, may you come into our lives. Pick us up, place us upon your shoulders, Lord, and bring us into your presence. Lord, I thank you for your holy table, the place in which we can be nourished by you. Jesus, as we confess our sins today, Lord, as we um, bear our hearts to you today, Lord, make yourself known in that. May we feel your forgiveness, Lord, and may we taste your forgiveness and your wholeness that you offer us today at the Holy Table. We ask this, Lord, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.